Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for what you are doing in our lives. Uh, we're thankful for the power of your spirit, the power of your word. Uh, it's such a privilege that we can be connected with our creator, that the creation can fellowship with the creator. Uh, Lord, help us this morning. Uh, we know that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Holy Spirit, we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 10, 27, that the yoke will be destroyed uh, because of the anointing. Um, in fact, some translations put it that the yoke will be destroyed because of the fatness. I know the yoke speaks about, you know, it happens here actually, where we have yoke of oxen and uh, plowing land, and um, several oxes are probably uh, yoked. They have this wooden bar uh, upon them that makes them go in a particular direction. But as the oxen begin to eat from the farm, after a while they get fat and it breaks the yoke. Hallelujah. You know, as you stay under the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you may not realize it, but you are getting fatter. Amen. And the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Uh, things that have held you bound in the past will suddenly fall off your life because of the fatness of the Holy Ghost. So I just want to encourage you to keep feeding on the word. Amen. Keep feeding on the word. Keep coming to church. Keep hearing the word. Because as you hear the word, faith will come. Hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise God. There's a fatness happening. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we're going to get into the word this morning. I'm going to continue um, where I left off last week. I started talking about kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. You know, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers or sharers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness and he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. I love these verses because they tell us not about what God is going to do, but about what he has already done. Yeah? What he has already done for us in Christ. It begins by saying that we should give him thanks. Our posture should be one of thanksgiving. Because you and I have already been qualified. Hallelujah. So everything I'm going to talk about today, you have already been qualified for. You don't need to qualify because you are already qualified. The blood of Jesus and the redemption of that blood has already qualified you. And it says we've been qualified to be sharers of all the inheritance that God has made available for the saints. So when you look in the word and you see inheritance or you see a promise, you can put your name to it. Um, and attest to the fact that you have been qualified to receive this promise. And then he goes on to say that when you came into Christ, he delivered you from the authority of darkness. 
That means that irrespective of what has traced your ancestry, what went from your grandfather to your father, you have already been delivered from it. Hallelujah. It says in Christ you were delivered. You know, we need to take a stand against um, ancestral curses because we have been delivered. Amen. Do you know if you leave your door open, the devil will still come in. A thief will still come in. We need to shut the door and say this curse that has been in my family's generations, it stops with me because I have what? Been delivered. It says we've been delivered from the authority of darkness and we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So right now it's like you have changed citizenship. You used to be a citizen of darkness, but you're not a citizen of Satan's kingdom anymore. Hallelujah. We don't have dual nationality in this kingdom. We left our passport of darkness and we have taken on a new passport. It is the passport of the kingdom of God. It says we've been delivered from the authority of darkness and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. You know, every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has laws. And every kingdom has a culture. Hallelujah. The kingdom gets its laws from the king. And the kingdom gets its culture from the king. Hallelujah. You know, it is possible for you to change countries and still behave like you lived in a previous country. I mean, I've told you examples of, you know, when a friend of mine and I went to the States years ago and we decided that we were going to go for a fly drive holiday and I was the designated driver and we're driving from northeast Florida all the way down to the Everglades and up to Orlando. And at some point, I think I was in Orlando and I was driving as usual and I suddenly found myself facing oncoming traffic. <laughs> and you know, in the States, they don't really use their horns, but on this occasion... They used their homes. And I was wondering what the fuss was all about. But you know, I'd, I'd come from the UK. I was in the US. And in the UK, we drive on a different side of the road. And I thought everything was going on. And, you know, I changed kingdoms. And I didn't realize that in this kingdom, we do things differently. All right? So it is normal sometimes to still carry over the culture of the old kingdom into the new. But thank God we are in a new kingdom. We are governed by higher laws and we have a different culture. Hallelujah. So I'm talking about the culture of the kingdom of God. And when we talk about the culture, we talk about the ideas, we talk about the customs, the social behavior of a particular people or society. Our shared beliefs, our core values as a kingdom community. Hallelujah. And in this community of High Life Church, we have, there are certain values that we share. And these values come from the kingdom of God. And they also come from the emphasis that the Lord has given us as a community. You know, among the children of Israel, there were 12 tribes. But um, it was one nation, was it not? But every tribe had their function. 
They had their culture, which was part of the culture of Israel, but they had certain things that marked um, that particular tribe. So Judah, for instance, was the tribe of praise. Issachar, even though they were small, they had wisdom and they led the people because they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. Hallelujah. So in a nation, and of course in a nation you have the nation's culture, but it is important when God draws you into a community like this to understand the culture here. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we have a vision, we have a mission. And as a result of that vision and mission, there are specific emphasis that God has given us and we share those values. Amen. So last week, I talked about a couple of the values. I'm going to go back to the first one. Because it is an important value of the kingdom of God. And it is an important value that you'll see exhibited in this house. It is a core value. And that core value is the fact that we are not from here. We are not from here. I believe it is a value that every kingdom citizen ought to have. Hallelujah. We are not from here. You know, we are spirit first. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that the very God of peace will sanctify you completely. He said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is spirit. So when God created us in his image and likeness, he created us first and foremost essentially as spiritual beings. Hallelujah. So we are not from here. Say to your neighbor, you are not from here. You know, we are spirit first. Born of the seed of an eternal God with a soul that is housed in a body, in a physical body. And as a result, it enables us to operate in several realms. The physical realm and the spiritual realm, but we are first and foremost spirit. And therefore, this value, we are not from here has certain implications. The first being that the discovery of who we are must be primary in our thinking. We must go through a journey of discovering who we are in him as spiritual beings. And as a community, that is something we have embraced as a value that must impact everything we do. Hallelujah. You know, answering the general question, what is man, is very different from answering the specific question, what is the image of God? Because we know the Bible says that he created us in his image and in his likeness, and we are human beings. So typically, when we think about who a human being is, the things we come up with are very different from if we ask ourselves the question, what is the image of God? Hallelujah. 
What is the image of God? What is the image of God? You know, in Genesis 1.26, when God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creeping things that creeps on the earth. When God spoke that in Genesis 1.26 or documented in Genesis 1.26, he spoke about the earth in relation to man as the sphere of the expression of his dominion, not as the place of his creation. I'll say that again. When God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and then let them have dominion. When he spoke about man's operation in the earth, as in having dominion, he spoke about the earth as the place in which man will express his dominion as opposed to talking about the earth as being the place of his origin. Are you with me? Because our origin is not the earth. Our origin is from God. But the earth is the place he has sent us to to represent him and to represent his kingdom. The earth is not an indication of our origin. It is an indication of the place of our operation. Are you tracking with me this morning? When he said, let us make man in our image. When he made that statement, his location, where he was making that statement from, was from the highest dimension of the heavens. He was not on earth when he made that statement. He said, let us make man. Imagine where God was at when he made that statement. He said, let's make man in her image and after our likeness. Let us talk about the heavens for a few minutes. The place of our origin. You know, when people talk about the heavens, it is important to understand, you know, in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible speaks about the manifold wisdom of God. It says that to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. The Amplified says that the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects. You know, it always amuses me when people think they know enough about God to take a position to tell you what's what about the heavens and the earth and about the mysteries of God. You know, we are discovering things about God all the time. Amen. And for all eternity, you know, the seraphim in heaven that say, holy, 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 uh, every time they look at the presence of God, they see another aspect of his glory. And it's like, wow, holy, wow, holy, wow, holy. And for all eternity, they are seeing different facets of the glory of God. Hallelujah. So our understanding of the heavens is very limited. I mean, for instance, you know, people talk about the fact that there are three heavens. And that is true. 
That is one interpretation. You know, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. Earth is within the context of our solar system. It's the third planet in our solar system. Uh, in our galaxy, which is the Milky Way, there are billions of stars, are there not? Okay? And so when we talk about the stratosphere and the atmosphere and the universe, you could look at that as the first heaven. And the Bible supports that. The Bible says in Psalm 8 verse 3, it says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have made, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him. So heavens as in the first heaven being his created heaven. And then the second heaven, Ephesians 6, 12, speaks about the fact that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Okay? So the second heaven is considered to be that region, that spiritual atmosphere around the earth that humanity was given the authority to govern, but as a result of the fall, Satan has moved into that region and he has set up a spiritual hierarchy that is dominating the first heaven and dominating the earth. And then we have the third heaven. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 2, uh, the apostle Paul says, I know a man about 14 years ago who whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but he was caught up into the third heaven. I don't know whether he was in the body or out of the body, but he was caught up into paradise and he heard things that are unlawful for a human being to speak. So you have the first heaven that we can see. We have the second heaven that you can't see, where the rulers of the darkness of this world currently operate. And then you have the third heaven, which is the realm of God. That is a true interpretation. But there's another interpretation where we know that the first heaven is the spiritual atmosphere as it existed before the fall. The second heaven being the current spiritual atmosphere, which has this hierarchy of, you know, demonic forces, etc. And the third heaven being what the spiritual atmosphere will look like after the millennial reign of Christ is established and sin and Satan are finally dealt with. There's an interpretation like that. But then there's another interpretation, and they're all right, hallelujah, because it is a multifaceted wisdom of God. There's another interpretation where, and you can look at this verse, Psalm 115 verse 16, it says the heaven, even the heavens belong to God, and the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens belong to God. It's speaking about the spiritual atmosphere where God has established his throne. And he's saying that even those heavens, there are different levels of heaven. There are different realms of heaven. You know, in Ephesians 1.3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us 
with all spiritual blessings where? In heavenly places. Those heavenly places are not the earth heavens. They are not the spiritual world where the devil is reigning and has established its hierarchy. There are regions or realms of heaven, different dimensions of heaven, or should I say interconnected dimensions in the presence of God. There are places in the heavenly realms where God has established his throne. Why am I talking about that? Well, you know, when God created you and I, when God created man, he was seated in the place of his throne, which is the highest dimension of all the heavenly realms. Hallelujah. The highest dimension of all the heavenly realms. We were created in the image of a God who operates in the highest heavens. And it was from there that he created us. And it was from there that he sent us into the earth to represent him. Hallelujah. And that is the place of our origin. That is the place of our definition. That is the place of our creation. You know when Jesus rose from the dead. And we rose in him. As Ephesians 2 says. It says we were raised up in him and we were seated in him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. It's talking about an exaltation to the highest heavens. Are you with me this morning? An exaltation to the highest heaven, not above principalities and powers, but far above. He's trying to indicate that this goes beyond the second heaven. It goes beyond the first heaven. Even when you get into the realms of the heavens where God has his throne, it goes beyond the first heaven and the second heaven and the third heaven. We are talking about the highest place where God himself has established his throne and that is where in Christ you are seated. When Jesus... In Revelation 3.21, was talking about the overcomer and the reward he's going to give to the overcomers in this life. And by overcomer, we're not just talking about the person who is in Christ. We're talking about the person who has fulfilled their high calling and have submitted their lives in surrender to God and have followed him to the end, staying faithful to the king. He said to this person, we're all going to be saved. We're all saved. We're all going to be saved in Christ. Hallelujah. But when we get to heaven, there are realms of the heavens. The Bible says that so it will be in the resurrection. As stars differ in glory, so it will be in the resurrection. Hallelujah. But when Jesus was making the promise in Revelation 3.21, he said to him who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So he's saying that for you and I, there is a throne that has been designated for you and I to sit that is located in the highest heavens. 
Hallelujah. When Jesus rose from the dead, Ephesians 4, 8 says he ascended on high and he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that have been called to equip the saints. The Bible says that their equipment is coming from the place of his ascension, which is the highest heavens. As a pastor, as a prophet, as somebody who has been called as a five-fold ministry gift, your equipping is not coming from here. Your equipping, the call of God upon your life is so important to God that he has chosen to give you equipment that has its roots in the highest heavens. You know, the value that we are not from here means that you and I must embark on a discovery of who we are in him, where we are in him, and the resources we have access to in him. Hallelujah. Who are we really? What is the image of God? Hallelujah. Who are we in him? Where are we in him? What resources do we have in him? And as we look through the scriptures... The Lord keeps inviting us to come up higher. To come up higher in our understanding of who we are. Amen. You know, I dare say that our current definition of who we are is earthbound. It is not a definition that has come from the highest heavens. I say it again. Our current definition of who we are is earthbound. It is not a definition that comes from the highest heavens. We are so disconnected from our true identity. You know, like the prodigal son who was wishing his wish, his imagination, his wish was that he would be able to share the food of the pigs. He was not allowed to share the food of his pigs, but his desire, the scope of his desire was to share the food of the pigs. Like the prodigal son, our identity is so earthbound that we have disconnected ourselves from who we truly are. And you know, you can only manifest who you are. You can only manifest what you see. It is what you see that you become. And only as we see the reality do we actually become and express the dimensions of who we truly are? A little expression of the supernatural freaks us out. Manifestation of the supernatural freaks us out. We are still arguing whether speaking in tongues, your spirit being, having the ability to speak a mysterious language that you don't understand, we are still arguing whether speaking in tongues is for today or not. Meanwhile, on the day of your creation, on the day you were made, the atmosphere of the heavens where you sat, 
you were in the presence of creatures that had four faces. On one side, they had the face of a lion. On another side, they had the face of a man. On one side, they had the face of an eagle. On one side, they had the face of an ox. They have six wings. They have eyes all over their wings and all over their head. That was the place of your creation. When God breathed out of himself and he's declared in the heavens, I am going to make a dimension of myself. I am going to create humanity in my likeness and in my image. You know, everything that God has said or created reflects his glory. The cherubim reflect his glory. Those four-faced animals or creatures reflect his glory. They are creatures of God. They reflect the glory of God. But he was saying that I am going to create somebody that is exactly like myself. You know, one time I was gathered on in, it was in January when Ruthie and uh, Jerry were here for Parousia. And we got together to pray and we're praying. And I saw a vision and I saw this creature. And this creature had so many eyes all over it. And it looked like a very strange creature. And I said, Lord, who is that? He said, that is who you are. The cherubim are a reflection of who God is. And if you and I are created in the image and likeness of God, the way you are looking at yourself in the mirror, all you see is a physical representation. You are a being of glory. You are a being of light. You are a being of fire. Every aspect of your being has the ability to see. Your hearing will see. Your speaking will see. You have eyes all over your spiritual man because you were created in the highest heavens. We are so disconnected from our true identity. But thank God, like the prodigal son, we are coming to ourselves. We are coming to ourselves. We will no longer embrace an identity and a name that makes us obedient servants to a satanic system. I said we will no longer answer to an identity and a name that makes us obedient servants to a satanic system. You know, if you look very quickly at Daniel chapter 1, I'm just going to read through this because of time. I've shared this before. But you know, like I said, we are getting fatter. The water level is rising. I said the water level is rising. We are getting fatter. And as we receive the fatness of the word, as the scales fall from our eyes, as our ears open, as we begin to embrace our true identity, Satan will not be able to keep us down anymore because we are creatures of the highest heavens made in the image of Almighty God and given the privilege to take his presence and represent it in the earth. An interaction with our true identity will be truly heavenly. I said it will be truly heavenly. God is not interested in just having moral human beings. Thank God for morality. He's not interested in just having good citizens that pay their taxes. Thank God for paying our taxes. Good professionals. Thank God for being good professionals. But what God's dream was when he replicated himself in you and I and he sent us into the earth was glory. In Daniel chapter 1, 
I'll read from verse 3. It says, And the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Everyone say delicacies. That they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief eunuchs gave them names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. You know, when you read this story, it sounds like a promotion. This was a nation in captivity. So Nebuchadnezzar took their brightest and brought them into his palace and instructed them in the language of the Chaldeans. If we're looking from within um, Babylon, we'll be clapping for him. But remember, the whole purpose of this training was to bring them into a place of servitude so that they will serve him well. Nebuchadnezzar was an unrighteous king and he wanted to bring the biggest and the brightest because if you allow the biggest and the brightest who have their heritage in God to begin to meditate on Jehovah and begin to communicate with Jehovah, they might cause an uprising that will turn Babylon upside down. So he said, you know what? I am going to bring them into a place of service. I am going to give them different names. So whenever they call themselves, instead of thinking about their true identity, they will think about the identity I have given them. I will give them a different language of expression so the vocabulary that they used to have they are going to forget their vocabulary and their range of expression I will only give them few words that can limit what they can say and at the end of this process they will be loyal servants you know the name Daniel means a judge of Jehovah Belteshazzar, which was the name he was given, meant preserve thou, O prince of Baal. Baal was the chief deity of Babylon. So instead of God is my judge, every time they said Belteshazzar, they were asking the prince of Baal to preserve Daniel. Hananiah, the gift of Jehovah. They changed his name to Shadrach. At the command of Aku, which is the moon god. Mishael, which means who is what God is. The light of God. Meshach means who is Aku. Azariah, whom Jehovah helps. A man of grace. Abednego, the name they gave him. The servant of Nigo. Nigo was the god of science and literature. That the Babylonians served. <clears throat> but the Bible in verse 8 says. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he will not defile himself. With a portion of the king's delicacies. 
or with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood what was happening and they refused to allow the context in which they were to define their identity. They refused to allow the context to define their name. They refused to allow what everybody was saying about them and saying about what was possible to define what they thought about themselves. Is it the identity of the earth or heaven that is framing our personal culture? We need to ask ourselves that question. What is framing my personal culture? Is it an identity that comes from the earth or an identity that comes from my true place of creation? You know, when we look at our children, that have been entrusted to us and we just observe our children what is framing their culture is it the satanic system or is it heaven's culture and what are we doing about it hallelujah you know i dare say that satan is not stupid he knows how to go about changing your name and changing your culture and changing your language. And he has done a great job indoctrinating our kids into a value system that is satanic. But we don't have to allow it to happen. But you know what? You can tell your kids all you want to tell them, but they are going to reflect who you are, not what you say. Hallelujah. They are going to reflect who we are and who we allow them to be. The Bible says if you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he grows up, he will not depart from it. We must be intentional about how we go about framing our children's lives. We must introduce them to the culture of heaven. But how can we introduce them to a culture that we're not familiar with? An identity that is so far removed from our creation. Remember when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they hid themselves. And if you look at Genesis 3 verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Adam, Where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because... I was naked and I hid myself. And the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? And I want to ask ourselves that question. There are assumptions we have made about ourselves. Where have those assumptions come from? Who told you that that is who you are? Where has that assumption come from? Has it come from the earth? Or has it come from the place of your creation? Who told you that you are an angry person? Who told you that you can't change the world? Who told you that you can't hear God? Who told you that you have the wrong personality type to fulfill your destiny? Who told you that you can't heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons? Who told you that God has disqualified you and God is finished with you? What are you listening to? Who is informing and defining your personal identity? God said to Adam, who told you? Who told you? We will remember who we truly are. 
and our identity when he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. He chose us in him. When God met with Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Before you entered your mother's womb, I knew you. He didn't say I knew of you. He said I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nation. That means that before we came, we were in him and we had an identity. And before we can enter our high purpose, you know, because for most of us, we're just trying to make it. Yeah. And we will keep trying to make it until we remember who we are. I know God had to tell Jeremiah who he was before he came because he had forgotten. There is a remembrance. When the Bible says that the Spirit of God will bring to your remembrance all things that he has spoken to you. There are things that he spoke to you before you came that you need to remember. I'm telling you. There are things that he spoke to you before you came. You know, you can read as many self-help books as you want and there's nothing wrong with self-help books but you know a self-help book can't really change what you believe about yourself on a subconscious level it can try but you know we don't believe what they tell us in fact we deceive ourselves sometimes we hide from our true perception of who we believe we are we might say all the positive things but on the inside you know we are not convinced. But when the Lord reminds you about who you were before you came, like he did to Jeremiah, something happens. It's now about identity. Hallelujah. There's a remembrance that has to take place. We will embrace our true identity that we had in him before the foundation of the world. We will embrace our identity as the wind that is not defined by the earth or understood by the earth, but its effect is just experienced in wonder. You know, when Jesus was talking about being born again, in John chapter 3 verse 8, he said that the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is what? So is what? Everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now Jesus said this. You know the word wind is the Greek word pneuma, which is spirit. But the word spirit and the word wind are so synonymous in their operation that the translators used wind instead of spirit. So he's saying that the characteristic of somebody who is born again is like the wind. You can't see it. You can't predict it. You just follow it and embrace its wonder. Are you with me? It says your identity is like that of the wind. The definition of who you are doesn't come from here. You know, in Isaiah 8, 18, the Bible says that I and the children that God has given me are for signs 
and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Saying that these children are from Mount Zion. These children are signs from Zion. We are wonders from Zion. We are pointing the world to a home that is not here, but is from Zion. It says, all of us are created for signs and wonders. All of us are meant to be pointing by our operation to the existence of Zion and the fact that we are not from here, we are from Zion. The manifestation of our lives must attest to the reality of Zion itself. Why am I saying all this? You know what we truly desire requires a different curriculum. Yeah? What we truly desire, what your heart is searching for and is longing for requires a different curriculum. You and I are currently where we are because of what we are feeding on. And your current identity is not going to take us somewhere different unless we change our diet. Are you with me? You know, there's a reason why smart students are eventually told that they need to do a PhD. A PhD is a research um, qualification, all right? It's like, okay, what you are looking for, the curriculum requires research. It is possible, it is attainable, but you need to decide that, you know, what I am getting right now cannot help me. I am looking for something, you know, it is said that it is a measure of insanity when you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. We need a different curriculum. What we need is not from this world. What we need is a product of revelation. And before we get that revelation, we must embrace a new course of investigation. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, the Bible says, I has not seen. Turn to it with me. It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. When is God going to prepare these things? He has already prepared them, has it not? Look at the next verse. It says, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches. Everyone say searches. The spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So he's saying that, you know, anything of the earth, anything that is physical, anything that is of the mind, is not going to take you into the dimension of your origin. It is not. It can be good, but it is still below your standard. Yeah? It says that for you to connect, you need revelation. Hallelujah. 
But it says that revelation comes by the Holy Spirit. And it says that there is a searching that needs to take place. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit searches. Why does the Holy Spirit search? He knows all things, doesn't he? Yeah? But he is carrying you into a search. The Bible says that when we pray, the Lord will show us things we don't know. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit carries you on his back and takes you into the mind of God to search the things of the Spirit because it is only by searching the things of the Spirit that you will discover your true identity and begin to reveal in the earth substance that comes from the heavenly realms. You know, in Psalm 77 verse 6, it says, David, Old Testament, David, said, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I will meditate within my heart and my spirit. Oh, glory to God. He says, my spirit. You know, David did not do the exploits he did because God favored him. The Bible says, David is saying that my spirit makes diligent search. Your spirit is not searching the physical. Your spirit is not going to be searching the library. Thank God for the libraries. But when your spirit is searching, it is entering into the depths of God and it is searching for heavenly wisdom. Hallelujah. So how many of us have evidence in our lives that we are searching? If we were to look at our timetable, what will your life testify about your area of search. Hallelujah. Because we can easily tell whether we are searching in a curriculum that is of the earth or whether we have embarked on a search that goes beyond the earth into the heavens because what we are looking for is not here. The breakthrough we are looking for is not here. Are you with me? Have you ever lost a pair of socks and you were convinced it was in a particular set of drawers and you went to those drawers and went to the drawers, you checked, they're not there. You look at the first one, the second, the third, the fourth, they're not there. And then you think, no, it must be here. And then you go back, you search again. I don't know if you've done this, I've done it so many times. And then it gets to the point that you get so frustrated and you take all the drawers out and you empty everything on the floor and you separate each pair because that particular pair of socks I have to wear. And you separate each pair. And then after a while you realize that what you are looking for is not here. What you are looking for is not in your mind. The fulfillment you are looking for. The wisdom you are looking for. The solutions that are going to change the earth are not here. They are not here. In Proverbs 2 verse 1, I've almost come to the end. Uh-huh. Wow. It says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. I'll say it again. The Lord gives what? The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. But that sound wisdom is stored up in heavenly places. 
He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Notice it says that we've got to seek them. We've got to search for them like for hidden treasures. Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it is the honor of kings to search it out. What is your area of search? How is your life demonstrating that you are searching for a wisdom that is not from the earth? Thank God Jesus has given us the access. Hallelujah. It says we've already been qualified. Praise the Lord. He has given us the access. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 19, that brethren, having boldness, enter. Enter. Say to your neighbor, enter. It says, enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We don't have to knock on the door anymore. The door is open. By the blood of Jesus, a way has been made. A way of access has been made. Access to the throne. Access to the heart of the Father. And he has given an open invitation to anyone who desires to come. In Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, the New Living Translation. It says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights. On the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. It says, since you've been raised, set your heart on the realities of heaven. That is where you should be searching. Hallelujah. That's where you should be seeking. You should be praying. You should be waiting on his presence. You should be worshiping him. You should be stretching into a wisdom that is not from this world. As you meditate on scripture, you should use those scriptures as a foundation for the spirit to take you into a realm that uncovers a wisdom to your heart. Hallelujah. You know, he's not saying that we should be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. He's saying that when our hearts are focused on heaven's reality, that is when we can bring real solutions to the earth. That is when we can bring real solutions to the earth, but we are not searching. Our identity is so linked to the earth, it's not linked to heaven. Bringing heaven to earth is our mandate. Last verse of scripture, Revelation 4 verse 1. John, after these things, he said, I looked and behold... A door standing open in heaven. You know, that door was not just open for John. That door was open when Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, I'm telling you, that door was open. That invitation is given. He said, I saw, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. And I will show you things. Which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. What did God say to him? He said come up here. Come up here. A lot of times we want him to come down. Isn't that what we want? We want him to come down. He said no I have already come down to open a door for you to come up here. He said come up here. Come up here. And John responded and he said immediately I was in the spirit 
And I began to see. He said, come up here. I will show you things that must take place after this. There is a sight. There is a revelation that God wants to give you. That book that you've been trying to write. There is a wisdom that God wants to unpack to you in the spirit. But he needs you to come up here. He needs you to come up here. You know, there is great grace that God has reserved for this time. There are great things that he has stored to be unlocked in this generation. There are great solutions in the area of inventions, in the area of solutions that have been stored in the heavens. And God is imploring his people, come up here, come up here. We're scratching our brains. We're knocking our heads against the wall. We're opening the drawers and pushing them in. And he's saying that the solution is not there. But you have been given the key. You have been given the access. You need to search for it like hidden treasure. You need to search for it like gold. Come up here because the Lord has stored it for you. For you to give it to this generation that his name will be glorified in the earth. Come up here. The seven spirits that are before the throne of God are meant to be your tutors. You know the way Jesus is tutors. And Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Isaiah eleven two 2 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Those seven spirits are before the throne of God and they are there waiting for you to be your instructors. He said, come up here. But we're not waiting on the word. We're not waiting on the Holy Spirit. We have an idea, we run with it. And we end up doing more havoc in the earth than God has ordained for in the heavens. We're not waiting for his wisdom. We're not waiting for his understanding. We're not waiting for his might. We're not waiting for his favor. We're not waiting for how to do what he has called us to do. We think just because we have a vision, we have to implement it. We have the seven spirits of God that are meant to be your tutors, but they are before the throne of God. Hallelujah. He said, come up here. You know, the purpose of this message this morning is to create within us a desire. Hallelujah. A hunger, a desire for home, for a place of origin, for a vital communion with our place of creation. That is where we are meant to be living from. Hallelujah. And that is why this value is so important. That is why this value must go beyond a nice message to part of our identity. That we are not from here. We don't operate from here. Our access is not from here. Our identity is not from here. Our resources are not from here. Our wisdom is not from here. Our name is not from here. It comes from the very highest heavens in the very presence of God. Hallelujah. Hope you got something from the word this morning. Let's bless the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.